I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., our buddy Emerson Lazio holding it down in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We got a great show for everybody today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe us, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out live Monday through Friday right here from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings Network, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, all those great places, in addition to wherever you hear VSIN on the radio from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern our best of showing up there and we got a lot to jam into that best of today we have got a cam newton related fight club we have got a court storming controversy in college basketball and oh by the way the nfl combine kicks off this week in indianapolis which is sneakily one of my father's biggest triggers (laughs) before we get into the nba action from last night every year around this time I, i i have this real tough battle going on inside me emerson because i love the combine (laughs) i I love the show that it's become because i never had to go and do it i wasn't invited to the combine Mm. it wasn't something i had to take part of and all my friends who did said it was awful said the experience is just basically one big farm that's designed to test you physically mentally emotionally and everything involved in there but my father who did attend the combine and has covered it for a lot longer dad you have had a tortured relationship with this event for as long as i've known you 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, no, I, I like the combine too. I just don't like how much people put on the combine. I love watching these guys run around and they get invited. I mean, listen, they're doing exactly what they need to do. For, for people to understand, for right when your season ends until the combine, if you get invited, let, you do not train for football. That, that's the amazing thing about this. You don't train for football. You train for these combine events that those that have made the combine feel are going to show the best measurables on what you can do at the next level. Of course, combined with your tape and the interviews and things like that. You're right. I went to mine. Mine was at Arizona State um, my senior year, but I had had shoulder surgery right before it. So I just kind of went there and talked with teams and the doctors twisted my shoulder all around. I didn't I didn't get to, to participate in any of the events. But yeah, it, it just gets a little much for me when you just had a season, especially guys that have had multiple seasons on tape, I'm playing actual football, and now all of a sudden, you know, we got all eyes on how high they jump or how quickly they run around a couple of cones. Oh, I just yeah. blow, and, and wow. God forbid, a quarterback in shorts and a T-shirt roll left and throw a long ball. I mean, oh, yeah. my God, he's a, he's the top of the first round. Whoa! So Whoa. yeah, it, it, Whoa. it save it, some stuff it, for pro day there, big fella. Save I'm, some stuff for pro day yeah. there. You don't want to uncork well, all the good ones. Then we ones get to pro day. Out to the yeah. shorts and t-shirts, back in your very controlled environment on campus with your very specific script and all your wide receivers yes. that you're comfortable Gojo. with. Hit them with the good stuff Dude, when you get there. Watching dudes bench press, yes, sign me up. Talking about the size of yeah. dudes' hands because size matters, yes, sign me up. One of my favorite I, weeks in I, the entire NFL calendar. I, I Listen, again, I'm with you. And amazingly enough, we do the bench press when, in all honesty, it's the incline that really is the power move for exactly. the football field. The way your body is and your arms are mm -hmm. out, you do more of the incline than the bench. It's better for you. Yeah. But we do the bench. I, you know, as my dad always said, and maybe hey. my dad, I, I'm starting, to, I'm oh, starting to think he said this <laughs> because I was never very good at the bench. That could be it. Uh, I think the most I ever did was a little over – maybe about 4.30 or something like that when I was with the Oilers when I was young before, right. you know, a, a lot of the, you know, anymore the shoulder surgery started. Uh, but as my dad said, he said, the last I checked, you can't bring the bench out onto the 50-yard line and use it to help you play. There, there are instruments in play, I get it, but I just feel, Mike, and you know this, I feel there is just too much. All of a sudden, this player that maybe in pads didn't look that great is now has just jumped up three rounds because, you know, how we ran around some cones. Now, if you use it for going back and watching more tape and re reassessing a person, cool. But, yeah, you, you, you struck a nerve with me on this one. Every year this one <laughs> blows my mind, the, the underwear Olympics it's that goes on. It's unbelievable how triggered the combine makes oh. my father. It is uh, – the indelible words of our buddy Field Gates, ESPN NFL insider and analyst, who's also a former NFL scout, are always imprinted on me when we get to this weekend is in the NFL, we draft traits, not production. And that's why this weekend tends to ring hard for so many who are watching, scouting, or whatever their role is with the combine. So we'll get to plenty of that. See, we got the big man hot and bothered early right now. What I really wanted to get to coming off last night, Dad, is as we have started down the back half of the NBA's regular season now, we have got a lot of very fiery players, but we've also got water finding its level. And I, I think it's interesting as we get yeah. to this stretch of the year, we talk about all the time during the NBA's regular season, 
how long it is, the player motivations, how teams are structuring it, who cares about the regular season at, at this point. And I think now as we get here, you're starting to see some of the more veteran teams, some of the teams that are more built for deep postseason runs have been a part of that recently, starting to dial it in, including the defending world champion Denver Nuggets, Dad, who last night dropped the Golden State Warriors and now notched their seventh win in a row against the Warriors, 10th in their last 11. And Dad are starting to look a little bit more like the champs again. I think for a lot of people seeing the Nuggets hanging around the 4-5 spot for a lot of this season after they'd been perennial one seeds in the last few years, maybe had them doubting, all right, is there that same fire there? They had to change some of the bench parts. But now all of a sudden, Nikola Jokic, who goes out there and puts up yet another triple-double, his third straight last night, is starting to once again, I think, remind people, hey, I'm the best player on the planet still, and this tandem of him and Jamal Murray might be primed for another very yeah. deep postseason run for them. How impressed were you by this team, Dad? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think what you said is right, water finding its level. Now, Oklahoma City is on a bit of a winning streak as well, and they're still ahead as well as Minnesota is ahead of Denver, but just by a game and a half. So that's one of the things we talked about as the the this last part of the season was going to start. Could those teams who are not used to seeing up near the top of a conference, could they hold that? And I don't know. It just seems like Denver is going to make that run. You mentioned Jokic, 32-16-16, and 16, throwing four steals uh, as well. Murray with 27. I mean, just just what they're doing. And, and and But it's always amazing. When you're watching Golden State, you're always thinking of them as one of the top teams. And they certainly have been that way. But they lose. The Lakers lose uh, as well to the Sun. So we're still talking about the ninth and 10th seed for these two teams with two of the greatest players we have ever seen. Always seems like we're hoping for more. Yet here we are, you know, with the likes of Denver doing what they do, you know, to be back where they're going to be. So, yeah, Denver, Denver's rounding out into that form. As we said, we have about 20-some games to go, and I still would expect them to be, if not at the top, well, they're at the, th what, the three right now. I would, I, I would be yep. somewhat stunned if they weren't at top of the Western Conference by the time the season ended. Yeah, you have the uh, ever-changing. The Western Conference playoff picture is so bottlenecked, especially from one through four. And then you've got the issues of five and six. It's changing so much every day. The Phoenix Suns yeah. fluctuating wildly. The Sacramento Kings getting a big win last night. So a lot of this coming up. You mentioned the Warriors, Dad. Since Draymond Green had returned, this is a team that has been incredibly hot. Now, including last yeah. night, they're 11 and five since his return. But also in that time leading up to last night, they'd been the third best offense in the NBA, the fourth best defense, and the third best net rating in the league since Draymond had come back and they had figured out some things with Kaminga. I think what last night also signifies is the West is, and this is not anything revelatory, but all going to be incredibly matchup dependent, right? You look at what Golden State was able to do against a team like the Los Angeles Lakers that doesn't have nearly the three-point shooting presence and profile that the Denver Nuggets do even though they've got the big men inside that could overwhelm what Golden State's got. Denver matches both of those things pretty well, and so the results are what they were. At least that game ended without violence. Emerson, we had a ton of NBA games yeah. where everyone just decided to resort to these hands by the end of it. Please give me more scuffles, more dudes beefing with each other. We had a lot in the NBA this weekend, really a lot over the past couple weeks. So two Friday, one Saturday, multiple ejections in that Heat-Pelicans game, two dust-ups at the end of multiple contests here, guys. The Hornets and Warriors leading to Draymond Green calling out Mr. Grant Williams. 
But Grant Williams got to stop it, man. He he can't keep like, being a, like this tough guy is going absolutely wrong for him. Like he's a really nice guy, and and um. For some reason, he keeps, like, trying to jump on the unlikable side. And I must tell you, it's not always fun over here. Um, it's not always a good time. Uh, and so, I don't know, man. He need to figure it out. Because, uh, boy, I mean, talking too much kind of got you out of Dallas. Uh, Go Gojo, it's now that time of year again where everyone thinks to themselves, man, I really wish we had the old NBA, the players hating each other, not trying to be buddy-buddy on Instagram and riding banana boats together in the offseason here. I think a few beefy throwdowns like this is good for the league. A couple punches thrown, good for the league. The league won't say that, but I will. You know what? I think it is a good reminder that you're right. There is a lot of underlying passion here. Like, these guys do care a lot about it. That being said, all are not created equal no. is what I want to remind people because there's some stuff that I'll never really understand with a lot of this. Now, the Grant Williams of it all, Dad, this guy, well-earned reputation. I still have that image of Grant Williams head-to-head -head with Jimmy Butler in that Heat series lodged in my brain where that ended up being the thing that a lot of people pointed to as a turning point in that series. But hey, if you're Grant Williams, this is how you've survived in the league. Like, I understand Draymond really trying to put up the walls on, you know, bad guy island over here. Like, he is the grand poobah of everyone that wants to live over on the dark side here. But this is how Grant Williams survived, man. We talk about this all the time. There are some players where you got to make this your identity yep. because the rest of your game is not nearly enough to keep you around in this league as long as you end up in this league. I love Draymond Green. Alva th thinks Grant, Grant Williams shouldn't be the heel now, right? Don't be the heel. You know, you're too nice yeah. a guy. You can't be the heel. But yeah, you got to play with what your strength is. And sometimes, you know, it's it's mixing it up and and that's kind of what you get known for. And, and I get what Emerson's saying about, you know, wanting people to battle a little bit. Unfortunately, Warriors and Hornets doesn't, you know, really bring about, <laughs> oh my God, here's that rivalry. These guys hate each other. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're going to really mix it up in this one. <laughs> I, think, I think one issue is too here, guys, it's like rivalries now are like between players. They're not necessarily between teams anymore like they were back when guys were throwing each other down and getting in flat out brawls like in the 90s and 80s and all that stuff. Yeah, I heard uh, Bamani Jones and Dominique Fox were talking about this on the right time the other day about how the NBA has really always in the modern era pushed more towards marketing players than teams. And so a lot of it does create just what you talked about there is we tend to follow those rivalries between players wherever they're going because we know players can have such an effect at on the teams in this sport more so than most. Well, yeah, it's players now because there's a lot more player movement, right? Then what Emerson mentioned, you know, in the 80s and 90s, guys were on the same team. And you form, it was like when I was playing in my most of my years in the 80s, we didn't hit free agency until my last year in 93. So a lot of teams were just the same. So you play, when we played Dallas, you know, in my six, seven years in Philly, played them 12, 14 times. You're playing against the same guys over and over and over again. You develop something there. You develop, you know, an animosity, a hatred, whatever it is during those 60 minutes. But when players start changing all over the place, like they started to do in mm -hmm. football and certainly started to do in basketball, I think it makes the team rivalries a little bit different. We keep trying to hang on to a Pittsburgh-Baltimore, you know, kind of, 
kind of thing, you know, kind of kind of rivalry there. But when you get changing players, it's kind of tough to go team by team. It's true. They just want well, to form I did, I like football. It's a little bit easier, and they do a little bit better job of it there, just because there's. I don't know. It's a helmet sport. I think at its foundation, it's so much different from basketball in that way, where basketball yeah. has been this big personality-driven, face-forward sport with a lot of their stars, and where one player can so impact the team's outcome. Yeah, that's true for football, too, to an extent, especially with quarterbacks, but I, I do feel like this shows up a lot more for the NBA. So we did have Warriors-Hornets fight last night, which I I'm like the Warriors-Hornets fight what we saw end of game politics where someone's mad at someone yeah. else for putting a shot up at the end of the game. Never really understand. Always seems kind of lame. The heat Pelicans fight that one. I rocked with a little bit more because in that game, you said plenty of time left in the game. Zion Williamson goes up for a layup and you have Kevin love wrap him up and try and in Kevin loves words. He thought he was trying to protect him, bring him down ends up throwing Zion on the ground. And so I am always going to be a fan of, hey, when your star player is getting hit by the other team, you got to show up in the picture. And we saw a bunch of dudes show up in the picture, Dad. You know that's the number one rule of Fight Club, especially when it pertains to team yeah. sports, is I got to see you going towards the fray. And we had tons of dudes going towards the fray for both sides in that game, Heat and Pelicans. Yeah, you, you can't waste any time on that one. You got to go help. It's like when a quarterback something bad happens to a quarterback, which in the NFL's case now getting touched, um, the, you know, you see the O line sprinting over there and that's exactly what they should do. So I'm with you. The, the problem is the proximity of the bench and how quickly you can get fined for coming off a bench, you know, in, in, as opposed to the NFL, you got a lot of room where you got a lot of time to realize I shouldn't be doing this and I'm going to get nailed, especially if it's on the other side of the field. Court's not very big, you know, so you're going to get players coming off. And, and, and you're right. I mean, Zion didn't take offense to it at all. He had tried for a layup. He missed it. It was 84-80. Butler got the ball. He ended up stealing it from Butler right there in the paint and went back up. And as you mentioned, it love wrapped him up. And Zion knew what was happening and just got up and was started to walk away when his, all his friends came, uh, which you're right, is what you need to do. You just, you know, when it turns into a melee, that – the toughest part for me would be if I'm on the bench, not coming off the bench and trying to trying to grab, you know, another color jersey. Zion was defending Kevin Love after that brawl. He said he actually protected me on my fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, and if you're Zion, that's all well and good. You got to thank the homies for coming yeah. to your defense there, all right? Because there yep. were suspensions handed down at that one, including uh, Miami Heat uh, guard Jimmy Butler and five other players were suspended without pay for their role in that game on Friday, uh, Jimmy Butler and Pelicans forward Najee Marshall each got one game uh, in that suspension. And then Jose Alvarado and Heat center Thomas Bryant were suspended three. They were the ones that left the bench area in the fight right. when that happened there. We did have one more fight, and this is just a clever segue into reminding people that we were right about what went on with the Minnesota Timberwolves before this weekend with the Milwaukee Bucks. But there was a lame fight there where Dennis Schroeder didn't like the fact that Mike Conley Jr. took a three at the end of the game, even though the shot clock was winding down. That was the lamest fight of the weekend. I, I will never understand those late game politics. But again, Emerson, cash it or trash it yeah. at the end of last week. The Golics notching a dub going into the weekend. That's right, baby. You guys are cashing your Bucks tickets from Friday night, gentlemen. Well done. DraftKings, cash it or trash it is presented by DraftKings. Stay tuned because you're going to hear more about DraftKings and all that it has to offer throughout the show. DraftKings, the crown is yours. So, Gojo, by the way, how about it? You got 2-0 since the All-Star break here for the Bucks. 
uh-oh, are they starting to figure it out, baby? Starting to rev the engine a little yeah. bit, and all of a sudden, those defensive grounds made up before the All-Star break, a little bit of the offense that maybe didn't show up uh, prior to that time now, all of a sudden making its way to the party. But we mentioned it. What would be the dumbest, funniest possible result? It's this Milwaukee Bucks team that we've much maligned heading out to Minnesota, who was the one seed at the time, and getting the job done. And now they've done it there and through a chorus of boos when Doc Rivers returned back to Philadelphia for the first time, which had to be the most predictable outcome of the entire weekend, that Doc Rivers would be booed into the absolute earth returning back to Philadelphia. So, Dad, all of a sudden, starting to feel a little bit more hopeful about these Milwaukee Bucks. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people thought they were going to turn it around some. There's two good of players on the team. And, oh, by the way, Chris Middleton's still not back from the ankle injury, which, again, yeah. is a smart thing. You're sitting, I believe, what, in the three slot, um, you know, and, and now win a couple of games. Your defense plays well. You hold the Sixers to 16 points in the fourth quarter. Now, again, it's a, it's a without Joel Embiid Sixers who are just trying to hang on by the skin of their teeth until they can get Embiid back. They're in the – Five slot, just a half game away from the Pacers, dropping down to six. And a, what, a game and a half from being outside the automatic six right now. So we need to see where they're going to end up by the time Embiid comes back. But it's not shocking to me that Milwaukee's going to make this run because I think we would think the same thing like we said about Minnesota Oklahoma City. Can Cleveland hold that spot in the number two slot? We know Boston. We, we know how good they are. But can Cleveland hold that? Or is Milwaukee going to find their way just a game away from taking over Cleveland at the number two slot. We've asked a lot of questions about Doc Rivers. We've heard a lot of pro, you know protests from former players about him. Giannis Antetokounmpo coming off the All-Star break said, I love him. It's been incredible playing for him. He just explains to me exactly what he wants from me. You respect him because he's been 25 years in the league. You got to respect what he's done, won a championship, won a lot of games. But when he comes in the locker room, he keeps it simple. And so... We will see if that simple formula combined with the return of Chris Middleton can be what the Milwaukee Bucks hope it can be, which is another ticket back to a deep NBA postseason run. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Uh, well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Nice, fun, exciting weekend around college football. A little top 10 upset. Wake Forest knocking off number eight Duke. But the game... Spoiled a little bit after Kyle Filipowski got injured as Wake Forest fans stormed the court after the upset dub. So his coach sounding off on this situation after the game. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's 
I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Salas was as good as could be today. And, and hats off to them. But you look around the country and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court, you know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're, they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. Okay, so a big weekend around college basketball. Gojo, question for you. Is there a court storming problem in college basketball? If so, how does it get fixed? So I think this is, you could even say it's a, a larger issue of how to act at sporting events. Like we saw this as, a, I think, a spillover from what happened at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix as well, where you've got people that have been comfortable within the fan and player fan and team interaction in sports and now all of a sudden seem to be taking it a step over we really had this commentary dead since coming off the pandemic when all of a sudden you let people back outside and there was this rash of incidents that started to pop up in a way that feel a lot more frequent that felt a way a lot more frequent than before so I, as someone who has always loved the visual of a court in a field storming as someone who's been a part of it both as a player who's had the field stormed in a game that I've played in but also been at basketball games and stormed the court at Notre Dame when I was there as a student it's always been a fun and enjoyable experience but if we can't have the process beats down enough to where the players especially the players on the opposing team are protected in a lot of these instances. And we've got fans that are, I think, more inclined than ever to try and go after social moments. He you know, didn't even mention, I remember after the Notre Dame-USC game this year, Caleb Williams on the field getting taunted by a Notre Dame fan who's videotaping him, trying to get some moment online for clout there. Like, all of these things where you got way too many people getting close to the merchandise makes me uncomfortable and makes me wonder if there is something that should be done. But also, Dad, at this point, what can be done to corral a mass of humanity like this? Well, you, you just have to stop it. You know, we, we know in the SEC, they fine schools, what, $100,000? The ACC, where this happened, and they that, do that not fine. Worked, There's though. no fines. <clears throat> no, no, it has not. I'm one of those that, that I never minded. And, and let's also talk proximity. Football field is much bigger area. Now you have more people coming on the field than you do at a basketball game. But there is more room out on the field as opposed to a basketball court where, I mean, you are right there on the players before they can even get off. I heard Shire talking about, in his day, it used to be 10 seconds. I don't, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember that. Nope. I don't remember being able to hold off a crowd for 10 seconds. If you could do that, listen, that's the answer, right? But I have no idea if you have the ability to do that if people just start bum-rushing the court. Because, I, you know, we're, we're talking about college students here, 18 to 21-year-olds, having a good time, mob mentality. They see a few go, they're going to go because everybody else is going. I don't mind it. I like to see it. But you can't do it at the expense of athletes. A, if they're getting hurt. B, if now we have the cell phones are getting taunted. You can't do anything to the opposing team, which is tough to say when you have thousands of fans and students running on and you know they've been drinking as well of what may go on. So I, I wish I had an answer for this because it's either 
you can't afford to have anybody hurt. You saw Filipkowski hurt. You saw Caitlin Clark run into. You mentioned uh, Caleb Williams getting taunted. So that can't happen. That, 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 that just can't. And these are the ones that we see how many times maybe as it happened and, we, and nothing has been reported about it. So something has to happen. I like it. I would say we keep doing it. If you, in fact, could go back to the 10-second rule, I think that would solve a hell of a lot of things. The visiting team we know could get off the court in time. Other than that, my guy, I, I don't know an answer to this outside of just outlawing it. Gojo, I think the reality is here, like, serious change is going to be required only when there's a little bit more than, like, a close call. Like, something way more serious is going to have to happen. Maybe, like, life-altering injuries or something like that. But the uproar after every court-storming incident just fizzles out eventually because schools are like, hey, listen, the fun outweighs the risks. Well, and I guess that's the problem is one, and this is kind of what comes up constantly in college athletics is we need you to care a little bit more about the athletes involved when things like this come up because it shouldn't take that. Like glancing blows to two star players in college basketball should be a bit of a wake-up call. And Dad mentioned college basketball's got a unique proximity problem because of how small the court is compared to its football counterpart. I totally agree on that. And dad, you know this too, and as someone who's been on the field for these things happen, like there's usually a security protocol where your focus yeah. as the security in arena is on getting the visiting team protected and out of there. You've got eyes on that stuff because this was something everyone knew was coming. Like for anyone that wants to potentially bash Wake for the idea of a court storming here, I don't think understands like the local proximity of these ba these schools and these programs down there. Like outside of North Carolina and Duke, there's not an opponent Duke's played more frequently than Wake Forest. This is not a, a, a win that happens much for Wake. And so everyone should have known, hey, if this goes our way, people are going to be flooding the core, which means we've got to have it ready for what we're going to do to protect the Duke players specifically when this comes up. Because when you have moments like this, Dad, I'm with you though. I don't know what happens at this point. Because this is a lot of people yeah. that you're trying to stop. And you mentioned the SEC's instituted fines for people that storm the quarter, storm the field in that conference. And it hasn't mattered. The schools are willing to eat it and foot the bill and the players and the, the students in the stands. There's too many to stop. Once you've established this is a thing we do, again, that's why I think waste management's a really interesting comp with this. Once you've established this is what we do here, this is the kind of fun you yeah. can have here, People come to see that as a right of theirs. Oh, if I'm here, I get to storm the court if a good thing happens. Everyone loves it. The TV, I heard Jay Bill is talking about it. The networks love it. They show it. It's a great visual for the sport. They run it in one yeah. shining moment. We see it at the end of the year in college football season. It's a huge part of the cell of the atmosphere of the sport, which is uniquely college. And so I wonder how you even put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. Like what you can do to stop that group of people from going out here and doing what they want to do. So it's, uh, to me, it's, it's one of three things, right? And I, I'd imagine there's a variation of or probably more. I'm just thinking right off the top of my head. You either stop it, say it's not happening anymore, outlaw it. You, I, I have to see again, delay it. Can you delay it 10 seconds? So the visiting team can, because you're right. You know situations where it's going to happen, you know, at the end. So yeah. can you delay it enough? to get the visiting team off, or third, you know something like that's going to happen. You have to have security sprint on the court to the players that are on the court, the visiting players that are on the court, and shield them and usher them off the court while the court is being stormed. Because 
while fans, you know, may run into players or taunt players, if there's a security person around that player, they may not do anything. So I'm just trying to think out loud. Those are three of the options. We, I don't think we want the option where there's no more stork corm, uh, a storm, a court storming. I knew I could get it out. Uh, so, so what's the alternative to protecting the student athletes, which, which no, no court storming is worth it if players are going to get hurt? I was going to say, I think that's, and ultimately this is always where my pro player bias is going to come in. It's like if people have displayed they can't handle this and they can't not go out there and mess the merchandise, then you get the fun thing taken away. Like that's, that's unfortunately the reality here is the players are always going to be the most important part of this. I don't care as much fun as I had doing it. Like I was a literal cord stormer. And if you told me, yeah, listen, we got to protect the people out there. You kind of understand and get it. The people that have been trying to blame flipping all of this, showing him shoving the student like, yeah, cause they're in his area. You came out. This is like going out into nature and then under bidding. This is like the people that go to Yellowstone and play with the Buffalo and then act surprised when all of a sudden they see a grandma get flipped 30 feet in the air. If you're out there amongst them, guess what's going to happen? You might get shoved if you're in a place that you're not supposed to be and that underscores the entire risk and element of this entire conversation. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. world will descend on Indianapolis this week for the scouting combine. Yes, Mike Golick Sr.'s favorite NFL event of the year. So we're going to have a little bit of fun here on Gojo and Golick right now, a little combine of our own. Let's start with the three-cone drill. So this one is simple. You guys don't have to do anything physical. Just put your brain to work. Give us three guys you are keeping an eye on this week at Indy, maybe guys who are set to make a big splash here, Gojo. Yep, as we get going here, uh, Dad, and just a little housekeeping for the schedule of events, you'll have D-linemen and linebackers first up on Thursday, DBs and tight ends Friday, Saturday we get the money that everyone's looking for, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs, and then Sunday we finish off with the beef, the offensive line, getting after it, and they're going to go through all these drills, Dad, that as you mentioned, at these big box facilities all over the country, they're training guys for instead of actually having them do football stuff, and the three-cone, one of the more complicated ones, but uh, thankfully for us, it's pretty easy, Dad. Three guys going into this week uh, that you think have a chance to blow up the combine, the three guys that you're most excited about checking out this week, because everyone's going to focus on 
the quarterbacks, Dad, who's throwing yeah. and who's not at this point. Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels not going to go out there and throw for scouts at the combine, but you're going to see Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, and Michael Penix Jr., all have elected to go and throw for drills there, which is certainly going to draw interest from a lot of people. But is there anyone else, Dad, that you're most excited to see in this ball? Yeah. And, and first, as I mentioned, that three-cone drill, too bad Too bad you can't, you can't watch any film on these guys in actual football equipment changing direction. God, I know that's hard to get that film. It's secretive. So you need them in shorts and a T-shirt to run around some cones. Good stuff. All right, and listen, let me reiterate, I do not blame the players in any of this. They're just training for what the league has set up here. So for me, first-round guys are first-round guys, right? We kind of know most of who they're going to be. So who's the guys that can maybe jump up, maybe use the combine, and as I've talked about, not for that specific drill to move you up, but to say, hey, let me go watch some more tape on this guy. Let me start first with Jalen Wright, a running back from Tennessee at his first 1,000-yard season last year uh he's 5'11 200 pounds so he kind of came onto the scene with that first thousand season caught over 20 passes uh as well but the question on him is his speed so everybody is going to look at the 40 yard dash so what big box is he working out at how are they working on a stance which doesn't resemble a football stance at all and a stance he'll never get into again in his football life when he when he runs this 40 yet here it's going to be Mike, on this 40-yard dash, could this push him to a day-two guy if he can run a fast enough 40? But I'm rooting for you, Jalen, and I'm sure he's working on that 40. God, it just dripping with sarcasm and doubt here. I just, <laughs> I, it, you know what is funny is I was thinking about your line about how you can't bring the bench press out on the 50-yard line before you said it was a line your dad had yep. said all the time. You kind of do on every play. Like, when you really think about it, like... It's why we lift all them weights. So we kind of do bring the bench press out onto the 50-yard line. You kind of look. I, I, I probably have more fun with this than I should. You, what you do, you use a little bit of all of this, right? Straight ahead speed. How do your hips shift? How strong are you? But quite honestly, what is not measured, and I'll take, listen, I'd love strength as well. Give me Reggie White where you have strength and leverage, but give me leverage, you know? Give me proper technique and give me leverage, and I'll I'll get a guy. You you give me the strongest offensive lineman in the world who has no technique and a D lineman who's not as strong but has technique. I'm taking the technique guy. You know, I I just am. Over over the long haul, he's going to win, and that's not something that's measured a whole lot at the combine. Uh, I'm sure there's someone poking and prodding in the back as the uh, medicals get underway that's going to see just how bendy these guys are to get in that position. I'll take the low-hanging fruit on this one, Dad. J.J. McCarthy is going to be a fascinating conversation all week in the combine, and I think this is less any one physical drill, although I do think seeing J.J. McCarthy throwing consistently next to Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, guys who were in a lot more pass-heavy offenses than what we saw from Michigan during the entirety of their national championship season – I do think this is one of those spots, and you hear scouts talk about it all the time, just seeing these guys go out there and throw one right after another. And we know how these quarterback drills work, where quarterback will go out there, he'll throw for a handful of plays, the next guy will run in and be the guy throwing for these receivers. And so seeing what it looks like with J.J. McCarthy next to a lot of these guys a little bit more consistently, I think is going to be important as much as it is hey, what do the interviews sound like? What do you get from this guy from the neck up? And what is the explanation going to be? Because I'm sure he's going to be asked, hey, if we're supposed to take you in the first round, why weren't there more instances when you were at Michigan where you were the one called upon in big moments to go and throw them through games? 
You and I both agree he's a real interesting one where he's getting projected to possibly go compared to the other quarterbacks when it's a throwing league right now and they lean so much on the run. That is an interesting one. Uh, My three, my two more, they're definitely guys that aren't household names. Another one I'm going with, Isaiah Williams, a wide receiver at Illinois. This is a guy who went to Illinois as a quarterback and then went to wide receiver at 5'8". Well, at least that's the thought, 5'8", or is he taller than that? of what he's doing at wide receiver. 2023, uh, uh, over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. In the NFL, you know they love the slot right now. So it's amazing for, I just talked about the last guy, the running back in the 40. For Isaiah, it may be what the tape measure says, right? Are you 5'8", or are you 5'10"? You know, we know what these measurables are like, you know, at, at the combine, the size of the hands, how tall are you in that? So, I think this is a guy that can make an impact in the, at the slot position, a really important position in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's it's certainly one that's, I won't want to say become incredibly in vogue, but man, it's used a lot more in so many of these, especially Shanahan McVay offenses where you got guys that can raise hell in the middle of the field. I'll go two more. I've been looking forward to watching this guy's combine for a couple of years now. Peyton Wilson, linebacker out of NC State, was an award winner in college football this year, has been hurt a bunch in his career, so the medical is going to be really important for him. But, Dad, this dude's got a jetpack strapped to his back. When you watch him in the open field hawking down wide receivers, for NC State, the two years ago had the best linebacker group in the ACC. He lost a bunch of his buddies this past weekend, was out there a little bit more solo, but an absolute physical freak. Now, he's a little bit down. This is a crowded outside linebacker class led by guys like Dallas Turner, Liatu Latu, Chop Robinson out of Penn State, but Peyton Wilson's a guy who, at the very least, tons of special teams upside and is going to be an absolute testing phenom, even with the amount of injuries this guy suffered in his college career. feel like he's been in college for about nine years. I called a couple of his games back when I was finishing up at ESPN, but I love him. He is such a tough player. My last one's going to be Jared Wiley, a tight end out of TCU. He transferred over to TCU, was all Big 12 first team this past year, and then won uh, the Player of the Week award, a tight end, for the Senior Bowl. He's 6'6", about 253. Some are making a little comparison to Sam Laporta, and we saw between Laporta and Dalton what rookie tight ends Michael Mayer later in the season can do in this league and the effect they can have in this league. He'll work on his blocking, but he's a guy, a big guy, 6'6", good hands that can run the seam really well. So I wonder how much you know this, this combine can help this guy, his look that he has, and him catching the ball down the middle of the field. Yeah, he was a monster during TCU's run to the national title a year ago. Was an integral part of their red zone offense. Big time, I big time dude there. So uh, no doubt about that one there. Dad, the last one I'll go with uh, just to get some beef on the board. Uh, this is a crowded offensive tackle class. We've talked about it at the top between uh, guys like uh, guys like Joe Alt coming out of Notre Dame and uh, Olu right. Shashanu out of Penn State. But I look at Kingsley Suomataya out of BYU. Former five-star player, just a gigantic mass of humanity. This is one of those O-linemen that has a chance to be a combine freak who blows it up with all the numbers and gives you a lot of the testing stuff that everybody looks like. To your point, it's still, he's a good player on the field. I haven't gone back and watched him in totality yet to get ready for this, but he seems like one of the guys in that group on the O-line that has a chance to really test out of the roof on this thing. Yep, so get ready for it, gang. I mean... (laughs) I don't want to, let's not make it sound like I hate this thing. I love watching it. 
I love the players training for these drills to go out and perform them to the best of their ability and put yourself in the best position you can and then digest that information how you need to use for these guys. But this is, this is their interview, man. This is their interview. So you look forward to see how they're going to do. These players get ready to go into their hotel rooms that are a little warmer than usual in Indianapolis right now. Media members get ready to descend to eat a bunch of shrimp cocktail and stay out till three in the morning before they go and hand time oh. 40s in the crowd. A tradition unlike any other. It's Monday, so we're kind of looking back on the weekend that was hell of a weekend on the field, on the court, on the ice. It is time for the dynamic duo of Gojo and Senior here to dish out their all-weekend team. Gojo, let's go, big man. Yes, we got second team and first team all weekend coming up here, Dad. And I uh, am going to use this opportunity to start things off with my second team all weekend pick and spread some more lacrosse propaganda. Uh, I will also put my hand up and say congratulations <laughs> to the Georgetown Hoyas and Kevin Warren for going on the road this weekend to South Bend, Indiana and knocking off the number one ranked Notre Dame men's lacrosse team oh. in overtime. An incredible win for that program. A well-coached effort by Kevin Warren, who's a great dude, diehard Jets fan, and uh, one of the best dressers in college lacrosse. Got a lot of love for the fit that he showed up with to topple Notre Dame and South Bend. But I'll go a different route, Dad, and give this one to Pat Spencer. Now, Pat Spencer got a little bit of burn at the end of the Warriors' loss to the Nuggets over this weekend. He is a former Northwestern basketball player for one season, but is better known by many as the former Tawaritan winner at Loyola as a men's college lacrosse player. He was a four-year All-American at Loyola. He's the NCAA record holder for career assists, and he owns the all-time Patriot lead record with 380 points. Dad, this guy was, before we've got currently, Brennan O'Neill at Duke, who is this box office, LeBron James of college, uh, college lacrosse, physical profile through the roof. That was Pat Spencer at Loyola. He was one of the players I would use to sell the sport because he had this athleticism that transcended the game so much so that he used his fifth year to go play basketball at Northwestern. And then after that had actually wow. been playing for the Warriors G League team in the NBA before signing a two-way contract going into this last weekend and now finally seeing a little bit of time on the court. So just an unbelievable two-sport athlete and a guy making his way <laughs> from the lacrosse field to the NBA court and one of the more unlikely stories of the year. That's an what, what an incredible athlete to be able to do that, right, at the high levels mm -hmm. of that. That is absolutely amazing. Very, very impressive. Uh, my second team is going to go to who will continue to be the coach of the Golden State Warriors, one Steve Kerr. There was wondering, his deal was up after this year, you know, and what kind of changes eventually are going to be made to this team in Golden State between the luxury tax and, and, and um, salaries. They paid, what, 300-some million and 400-some million in the last couple of years, and word is they want to cut down on that. Well, they now gave Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr $17.5 million for the next two years, uh, it, it, I believe it is um, Greg Popovich still makes more annually, but Popovich has the title of president as well as coach. So just as a coach, Kerr is the highest paid now, $17.5 for two more years, uh, not lost upon anybody. The fact that St Steph Curry's deal is two more years as well. So those two look like they'll be together, but what will the rest be? Will, 
will Clay still be there, who had a monster first quarter uh, last night and then, you know, first 17 in the first quarter, 23 and a half, and Draymond Green, that core we're talking about, will they be there for a couple of more years? But we know Kerr will and Steph will. So good on Golden State for doing that for Steve Kerr, who has uh, done nothing but, you know, win four titles there, win the most uh, the head coaches, the most wins in the season, in the 2015 season. And I love the, how ironic that is. The record he broke, was from the Bulls in the mid-90s, of which he was a player on that team. So he held the, the, the record for most wins in the season as a player, as part of the Bulls, and now broke that as a coach of the team that did that with Golden State. So kudos to him. Yeah, Steve Kerr being in the class picture for so many of the most important teams in the last 30, 40 years of NBA history is pretty incredible. He's uh, another one. We talk about interesting characters in the sport all the time. And Steve Kerr, no doubt, in a lot of ways, has been one of the most interesting, outspoken, thoughtful characters in the world of sport. And you're right, Dad. It, it, it's a sign that at least part of this Golden State core is going to remain together. But Clay Thompson, who has sort of become like the $20 you find in your pants doing laundry, you can't count on it as your source of income, but it's really nice when it shows up every now and then it can make your day a little bit brighter. It's kind of where he's been for Golden State. Draymond Green seems to be enjoying a bit of a renaissance since coming back from his suspension. So We'll wait and see on that, but that's a team that's still going to factor into the postseason this year, albeit at a much lower level than we're used to. My first team or dad, I'm going to go to hockey. Really cool moment in Chicago yesterday. Patrick Kane, who was the former top overall pick for the Chicago Blackhawks, was one of the guys that helped usher in an era that saw them lift the Stanley Cup three times, made his return to the United Center for the first time since being traded last year to the New York Rangers. He is now a part of the Detroit Red Wings. He signed there after being released this offseason, but came back and on a night where Chris Chelios was getting his jersey retired there, there was a ton of fanfare. Patrick Kane himself got a really warm reception. They played a, a video for him after, I think, either the first period or the first time out in the game and got this raucous ovation from the crowd. Like we talk about former star players for franchises getting the treatment when they come back. There was no question here about it. There was nothing but love in the house for Patrick Kane. So much so that in the waiting moments of this game where Patrick Kane showtime himself notches the game winning goal for the Red Wings against the uh, Blackhawks. Dad, you even saw a few people in the crowd in Blackhawks jerseys yeah. kind of cheering because they understood what an insanely cool moment this had to be for Kane. All the emotions of going back to the place where you made your entire NHL life where his jersey's eventually going to ret be retired, where he's going to be considered, as Chelio said, the greatest American-born hockey player to ever play in this league by some people's estimation. To have that moment there is just peak sports theater. Yeah, it really is. When you're in a situation like that, you never know what the moment is going to lead to, help uh, lead that team in, what, 10, 13, and 15 to win the Stanley Cup. But you come back and you don't know how it's going to go, and then you get a game winner on a breakaway in overtime. I mean, could it end any better for you, uh, given that scenario? So very cool for him, great moment for him, uh, and, and what that Blackhawk team was during that era and just how good uh, that they were. My uh, first team is going to be uh, NFL players. Mike, the, the salary cap had a record increase this year for the players. So I'm, I'm all for the, we're all for the players getting as much money as they can. Well, when free agency starts, it's the biggest pool ever that the, that the uh, players will get to dip into uh, with team spending, it went uh, a, a 13 over a 13 and a half percent increase 
over last year's cap, which was, I believe, 224. It went up to $255 million. It went up over $30 million. And when everybody was trying to figure out what the cap was going to be, they were figuring it was going to be 240, 244 in that area. So it was basically another $15 million over the top of that, which, which again, there has to be percentages. There's a, there's a floor and a ceiling here uh, that has to go to players. So players are going to make out on this. Players are going to get – we're going to see some uh, amounts out there and go, wow, should that player get that? And I'm going to be like, hell yeah, they should get that because the money's there. And you know why the money is there? Because of the TV deals. The new TV deal happened in 2021 and got through the pandemic, and they said it right around this year was when they thought the effects of it would hit. And that is exactly what's happening. You know, the cap uh, from, I think, 13 to 20 went up about 10 or $12 million a year. Then it went down – during the pandemic, obviously, and now it's at a record high, and it does not look like it's going to stop anytime soon. Remember, Roger Goodell, this is a sport that makes $15 billion in revenue. His goal is for it to make $25 billion. And I know people listening are like, my God, how much money do they need? I'm, you know, I'm keeping the blinders here. It's professional sports. It's if, if the owners are going to make their billions, the players, I want the players to make as many millions as they can. And their price tags all just got pushed up a little bit because of the salary cap. Yeah, you mentioned some of this is deferred payments from COVID money they set aside during that time in the war chest that's now getting influx back into this. Dad, it makes me think of years ago in the NBA. You remember we had an offseason where they decided not to smooth the cap. And so you had this one year where everyone got to go out and rampantly spend. Right. And it sort of affected the free agent market and the perception for years to come. This is going to drastically change the team building and the strategy for a lot of teams going into this offseason now teams like we talked about the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs who had a bunch of budgetary restrictions that were potentially going to hamstring them all of a sudden might be able to start doing the math differently because 15 million dollars is a big big jump in this window so I, I, I think you're right it is a big win for the players because this money has to go to them in certain regards but it also raises some interesting questions for teams so coming up next we'll talk about one of the biggest ones as soon as this broke Everyone started to circle one particular team in Minnesota and a star receiver in Justin Jefferson who all of a sudden might have his outcome changed.